listening to Redeemer Church of Denton's sermon audio. For more information about Redeemer Church, visit us online at RedeemerDenton.com. Well, we are going to look in the book of Acts this morning, and we're going to look at a prayer. We are going to look at a prayer, and this is uh, something that I think is a huge need for us, even now. Let me back this mic off. Um, This is something that is a a huge need for us now, is this prayer uh, for boldness. Today we're going to look at this prayer of boldness. We want to join the early church in a prayer for boldness. This prayer is, uh, is a cry for help, uh, to be utterly unashamed of what it is that we believe in. It's a plea to God to help us move from fear and anxiety and self-consciousness into confidence and trust in the trajectory of God's plan. Now you're probably wondering, why are we jumping into this? Why a uh, prayer for boldness now? Why do I feel like this is, uh, this is uh, a need for our church in this time? I think there's a couple different reasons, but one of the main ones is I've seen in our culture over the last few months a, a, a willingness and, and uh, a, a, an anticipation, a, a building up of a, a, a boldness or an excitement over certain things besides the Word of God. I've seen uh, people increase in volume over uh, side issues and over things that may not even have to do with the kingdom, and yet when it comes to the Word of God, I've seen a hesitancy and a lack of boldness, and maybe you've seen it too. I don't want it to be said of Redeemer Church, I don't want it to be said of myself or for any of you that we lacked boldness. And that we lacked confidence in the trajectory of God's sovereign plan. I I think we need this boldness. Because it's something different than just the increased volume that is surrounding and swirling around us. Boldness in the New Testament is something much more than an increased volume. Boldness is a, a willingness to accept consequences for being faithful. Boldness is a, 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 an acknowledgement of faithfulness to Jesus. And, and we see that here in the book of Acts. We see that all over the place. This word boldness in the Greek is parousia. It's repeated time and time again. Um, and, and we see it played out actually in some really uh, vivid stories and narratives here. Um, but then we see, uh, it, we, we, we see it actually explained and described here like in the verses that we have here. Just to set up the context of what's going on, we have uh, Peter and we have John. And uh, what they actually did is they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and they started to be emboldened to go and share the good news of Jesus with all of those that were around them. They, they joined in fellowship with other believers, but then they started doing some uh, insane works in chapter 3. They even saw a guy who was from birth for 40 years 
was lame and could not walk. And, and, and they go and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And it says he starts leaping and jumping. So incredible signs and wonders are even being done. And then they continue to be faithful to teach the salvation that comes in Jesus. And as we get into chapter 4 in the book of Acts, we see Peter and John are brought before uh, some of the officials, some of the religious officials in the time. These are the Sadducees who actually uh, are those who reject the idea of the resurrection. It says they were actually greatly annoyed that they were teaching people and proclaiming Jesus' resurrection. And yet, if you dig into the narrative of the Sadducees here, actually, uh, their biggest issue wasn't even necessarily with the signs and wonders that they had done, although that's why they brought them in to trial. Their biggest issue was not with this miraculous thing that happened. Actually, uh, later on in chapter 4, it says that, uh, that, that they can't even deny that a lame man was healed. They can't deny that as a reality. Yet, what they concerned their, themselves with was the spreading of this message, the spreading of this gospel, the spreading of this good news, and that that was more of a threat to these Sadducees, to these religious officials, than actually the healing of a body. This message of salvation through nobody else but Jesus was more of a threat to those in power in their day than actually the, the healing of somebody's body. Because that's where the power was. That's where the boldness came from. Peter and John in 4.12 say, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The exclusivity of the gospel, the power of the gospel, the sufficiency of Jesus is what actually caught these guys off guard. Verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they even saw that they were common men, that they were normal people, they were uneducated, and that's what astonished them. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. It's the boldness that's going to stick out in this world. It's the boldness that's going to stick out to those that are watching. It's actually the boldness that's going to come off as more of a threat to people than anything else in our Christian walk. And we, we want to call people to salvation to see our boldness is not a threat but an invitation to invite people into this great salvation that we have in Jesus. And so let's pick up from there. Let's pick up from there. Acts chapter 4 verse 23. You have this incredible show of boldness where Peter actually even says, uh, if it's right in the sight of God to listen to you, Sadducees, rather than to God, you must judge. But we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. And pick up in verse 23. After this happens, they go back with some other believers and see what happens here. Chapter 4, verse 23 says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. 
And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And then they say together, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And here's the cry, here's the prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And here's the result. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the word of the Lord. I think there are four parts to this prayer. I think there are four parts to this prayer that I think needs to be a part of all of our prayers for boldness. The first part is God's character. Look with me, uh, starting in verse 24. They start off the prayer by saying, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. He, he starts off, uh, number one, says that, that the Lord is sovereign. This just means supreme, that He is powerful and in control. He has undeniable authority over all things. This is the starting point. This is where we have to start. This is the picture of this big God that you're having a chance to pray to. God is supreme. Then they go on and they say that God is a creator. It says, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Even in this, uh, this time of prayer, even in this asking and calling upon God for boldness, they recognize that the ground that they set their feet on doesn't exist without uh, Jesus, that it doesn't exist without a creator God, that, that even oxygen that is coming into their lungs and, 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 and that they're breathing out doesn't exist without God. So he's not just supreme, but he actually uh, uh, is somebody who creates. But he, he doesn't just create, but he actually sustains. He creates the heaven and the earth and the sea. And then you can almost tell that they like run out of things. They're like, man, this list is going to be way too long. So they just summarize it and say, and everything in them. You see the scale and the size of this God that they're praying to. So we have a God that's supreme. We also have a God that's a creator. And then they recognize that they have a God that's speaking to them. They have a God that's speaking to them. A God that's actually revealed himself intimately through his word. Look, verse 25, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, and then he goes into Psalm 2. I don't want you to miss what's happening here. At the start of this prayer, 
They started with a supreme God, somebody that's completely other. And then they go into a, a creator God who actually uh, doesn't just stay separate and isn't so supreme that he's uninvolved with creation, but he actually is the one who initiated it and loves creation. We can think back to Genesis where he says it's all good. And then uh, maybe even a further degree of intimacy from creation, we have a God who's speaking to us who has a, a relationship to us. He's speaking from the mouth of David here in Psalm 2, but we have a Bible. We have a word of God. And through these words, through these pages, we can know Him. Do you see the degrees of intimacy happening here as they're recognizing who this God is, His character, as they open this prayer? Three aspects of God's character. He's supreme, He's creator, and He's actually speaking If you, if you miss this picture of intimacy, if you miss this picture of what it means to start a prayer recognizing God as completely other than us and at the same time uh, recognizing that He stoops an ear to hear our prayers, then we're missing one of the most beautiful parts of prayer. The holy God stoops to hear the cry of sinners like us. The holy God stoops to lend an ear and hear the cry of sinners like us. But we can't forget how other he is. They start with God's character. Then they move into God's plan. Look at verse 25. Verse 25, moving on to 28. They, they acknowledge God's hand in their disposition. They acknowledge God's hand and their disposition. So they look back at Psalm 2. We have this, uh, this picture where David actually pens this psalm long before, long before the apostles and, and the believers here in the first century actually saw themselves in it. Psalm 2 referenced to you says, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain and the kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now look at what happens in verse 27. This is crazy. When I saw this in, this, in these scriptures, it, it, it was crazy. They actually read Psalm 2 into their exact situation, starting at verse 27. For truly in this city there were gathered together you see that back up there in verse 26. Against your holy servant Jesus. You see against even there in verse 26. Whom you anointed. You see anointed there. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Now look, they, they are reading Psalm 2 into their uh, situation, into their disposition. They're, they're seeing their circumstances actually being prophetically predicted persecution. How's that for a, a good Baptist illustration? Prophetically predicted persecution. They saw that revealed in their situation. Now, one of the even more significant things that happens in this prayer is that they saw in Psalm 2 this word against his anointed. And that word in the Greek, anointed, is probably capitalized in your Bible is actually the word Christos. It's, uh, it's an indication of this Christ. And then as you went on to 
verse 27, it says unapologetically that the holy servant Jesus is the one who is the Christ. Jesus is the one whom God anointed. They see these things in lockstep. They see their disposition and their situation as something that was prophetically predicted back from even Psalm 2. They saw every aspect of Psalm 2 verses 1 and 2 revealed in their own experience. And they knew that it was predestined. They knew that it was predestined. Look at verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Now, I know many of you probably had plans over the last year. I know I did. Um, and, and many of your plans probably didn't go the way that you wanted them to. There's, there's no way you could have prepared for what COVID was going to look like in 2020. There's no way you could have prepared for the type of division that we saw in the last year. There's no way that you could have been prepared for the emotional toll that this has taken on your household and your family or even just yourself. There's no way that we could have predicted that, yet God has. And here's the kicker about the doctrine of predestination. It's biblical, and so that, that's, that's grounds enough to hold that doctrine, but you'll never come to a point where predestination is a doctrine that's comforting until you see God as a God that's trustworthy. You'll never come to a point to where that's a comforting doctrine until you see God is a God that's trustworthy. Until you come to a point where you can pray and you can be confronted by threats like the believers here and say, uh, you do whatever your hand and your plan has predestined to take place, God, because we trust you wholly. We trust you completely. That's how we know that God's plan has been predestined to take place and and the question then is, what is his plan and how can we know that? We know that it's always going to be Christ-centered, as it was here, as it was in Psalm 2, as it was uh, as those rose up against the Lord and against his anointed one, and as it was here with the Sadducees confronting the believers that regardless of what happened, the gospel of Jesus Christ was always going to go forward. It's always Christ-centered for all of eternity. We don't know what every intricate thing of God's plan is going to be, yet if we can sit here with verse 28 and say, do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place, then we can know with confidence that whatever that is is going to be centered around Christ and the kingdom of God being built. Now let's continue. We saw that there was God's character, and then we saw that they acknowledged God's plan. Now let's look at their request. Look at their request. Verses 29 and 30, there's two imperatives, two imperatives that I think we need to see here. Their request was, number one, and now, Lord, look upon their threats. Look upon their threats. What are they saying here? They're saying, God, look, see us. See our families. See what's at stake for us whenever we're threatened. A acknowledge our hesitancy to be bold in the midst of threats. 
Acknowledge God. See us even whenever we're met with opposition. That's the first imperative. And we might even be hesitant to pray like this. We don't tell God where to look. Yet at the same time, we ought to come to the throne of God and beg Him to see us when we're faced with threats or insecurity or hesitancy to be bold. Look upon their threats, God. See us. See our families. See what's at stake. But you can't stop there because the second imperative is see us, yet grant us. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. So see us, God, but give us strength to stand in the face of these threats. To do one thing, and what's that one thing? To speak your word with all boldness. To speak your word with all boldness. For you and for me, here's one of the questions that I want to ask from you guys. What, what do you feel like is a threat? What do you feel like is a threat? <clears throat> Maybe in the last couple months, you've felt like the threat is the way of our culture, specifically in an American context like this. The religious liberty uh, might be at stake. That there's a rejection of objective truth. That there's social division and uh, a rejection of the image of God in, in things like abortion and racial injustice. Just the, the drift of our culture in a certain direction might feel like a threat to you. Or, or, or is it something uh, uh, maybe more personal like, like your job. Like if you're boldly outspoken about Jesus at your job, are you going to get fired? It's a threat. Is it something more simple like insecurity? Like that if, that if I'm more outspoken to even my kids, that I might actually push them further away from Jesus, not draw them to Jesus. Is it an insecurity like that? What do you feel like is a threat? Here's what I think we can pick up from this prayer, that we need to ask God to see these things. See these threats. But don't, don't do it without asking for boldness to confront these threats. Don't, don't do it. Don't ask God to see you in these threats without asking Him and begging Him for the boldness to come in front of them. The boldness to actually continue to speak God's word, though the culture is drifting. To speak God's word, though your job may be on the line. To speak God's word, though it seems like you might be pushing your children away. Pray and ask for God to see you in these things, but also to step into them and confront them with boldness. The last part here is that we see God's response. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they had gathered was shaken. How often, how often do we pray as if God is going to respond immediately? I don't do it enough. And yet that's what we see here, that God responds immediately. And it may not be that the buildings will shake, but we know from verse 31 here that the building did shake. And what that was was a sign that is unmistakable that God actually heard their prayer. 
It was unmistakable that it was God. And the second thing we saw is that, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know uh, a lot about cars, but I know if uh, a gas tank isn't full, you're not going to get very far. And so uh, the Holy Spirit actually had to come and fill up the church to actually fill them up, to fuel them, to get moving, to get going, to be bold in the face of threats. It's a, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is a grace of God. We don't deserve it. Yet it, he, he pours it on us in his goodness. And he loves to fill his people with the Holy Spirit. And so pray, anticipating and expecting the Holy Spirit to show up and the, that the Holy Spirit actually did the work of emboldening them to speak the word of God. If you're a believer, you actually know this. And here's why I know this. This is post-Pentecost. This is actually uh, uh, after Pentecost had actually come. The Holy Spirit was already present in Peter and in John and in many of these believers and friends. The Holy Spirit was already there and yet they didn't act like, okay, that actually happened already um, and we're just gonna move on. No, there needed to be a refilling of the Holy Spirit in these people. And so I, I think that's where a lot of us are right now. And we need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you know what it's like Call on God, ask God to give you a refilling of the Holy Spirit. If you're not a believer, here's the invitation. Ask God to give you the Holy Spirit. See what happens when you ask the Holy Spirit to come and dwell your heart. You'll see this boldness rise up. You need this boldness. I need this boldness. We need this boldness. And so I have a few takeaways from this prayer that I think is helpful. And then I'm out of your way. First takeaway don't let the home stretch or the final turn of one of the hardest years that we've ever seen. Don't let the home stretch of one of the hardest years you've ever seen keep you from prayer. There is still a sovereign and a creating and a speaking God that lends an ear to hear when you pray. Whether you're at a spiritual high right now like Peter and John just coming off of uh, uh, standing in the face of a threat and saying that we can't help but speak of what we have seen and heard, whether you're coming off of that kind of a spiritual high or whether you're right now in a spiritual low or whether you're in a confusing, drifting through life kind of phase like I feel like I have been in this last week, commune with God. He responds. You know this. You, you have testimonies, church, those at Redeemer, I've, I've spoken with you and heard testimonies of God answering prayers. And yet, for some of us in the last year, it seems like we're not praying that way. Like God, the sovereign, creating, speaking God, lends an ear to hear. Don't let the home stretch of one of the hardest years keep you from prayer. Number two, recognize that opposition isn't a threat. It's a call to boldness. Recognize that opposition is not a threat. It's a call to boldness. This is what I see in the book of Acts. Not just here, but in the rest of the book of Acts. Nobody else can say something like this but believers. Nobody else can say something like this but believers in Jesus. When we know that God has a predestined plan to glorify His Son and to build His church... 
we see that opposition is not something that's going to stop God's plan, but it's a call for us to jump into God's plan. it's, It's not a threat, but it's a call to boldness. Peter and John weren't threatened because they knew that the gospel was going forward. If you think the gospel is threatened by a pandemic or the results of some kind of an election, you missed a major call to boldness. Recognize that opposition isn't a threat, but it's a call to boldness. Number three, don't mistake boldness for arrogance. Where am I getting this? God gave them boldness to speak one thing, His Word, not theirs. He didn't give them education to be able to confront the Sadducees when they called them uneducated. He didn't give them savvy ways to talk. He gave them His Word, this good news that came from God. They have nothing to offer outside of the Word of God. And and you and I is the same. We have nothing to offer a world from ourselves. Only what God has said. And So don't mistake boldness for arrogance. Real confidence isn't arrogance. Real confidence and boldness is actually humility. And real humility is actually boldness and confidence, not insecurity. Don't mistake boldness for arrogance. Number four, be bold. Just be bold. You've prayed. You've said this prayer. You've, you've called on God to see you in the threats that you're feeling and, and yet you've also called Him to grant you boldness. Then step into that. Be bold. It says they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. There was an action there. So be bold. Don't let another week go by that you coast through this life. Speak the Word of God. Text the Word of God. Post the Word of God. Anything to get this Word from your heart to somebody else's ears. Even your children. Even your coworker. Be bold this week. And I promise you, church, that this boldness will be the most exhilarating part of your Christian walk. This will be the most exhilarating moments of your life as you are bold in the presence of your children in the presence of your co-workers neighbors all of these things be bold to speak the word of God with all boldness will you guys pray with me father I know that many of us have found ourselves in a place where we're lacking a boldness and a confidence and a motivation even some of us to speak your word with all confidence and with all boldness. And yet, we've seen time and time again in your scriptures that as we call on you, as we ask you to give us that boldness that you graciously give it. And so, Lord, I pray for this church that even as we're walking through some weird times, that you would give us all boldness to continue to speak your word to continue to speak Your Word in the face of threats. Lord, be with us this week. Helps to be bold, to not let, to not let this home stretch keep us from prayer. To recognize that opposition isn't a threat, but it's a call to boldness and to not mistake this boldness for arrogance. Lord, we pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.